Hello and welcome back to another Gypsy Soul podcast episode, The Stories That Bind Us. My name is Jacqueline Van Bierk and I am your host. I am a singer, songwriter, I'm an artist, a composer, and I love people and bringing people together through storytelling. So, I am so happy that you tuned in and I know that you have so many other things you could be doing with your time, so I really much appreciate you doing that. I am super excited about today's guest. She is an amazing singer, songwriter, composer, um, producer. She does it all and she's toured the world pretty much singing opera. How awesome is that? She, in the past couple of years, she's built her YouTube channel to an amazing channel that has a ton of viewers and she's making a living doing this. So how inspiring is that? So with no further ado, here is this amazingly talented woman. Her name is Elizabeth Zaroff, and she has a company called The Charismatic Voice. So with no further ado, let's get started. Hello, Elizabeth. How are you? Hi, I'm well. How are you? It's so great to see your face. Great to see you too. You are such a busy bee, and you you are so inspiring to me. You... What you, first of all, what you've done in the past is amazing because you're an opera singer and you've toured the world doing what you love, right? That was like a big Mm -hmm. chunk of your life. Yeah, a big chunk. Yeah, and we met at a composer hang that we both joined and uh, I heard you actually sing in person and I was just blown away. I was like, oh my goodness, this girl has power. And now you have this amazing YouTube channel with, I think, 139,000 or something like that. Like I it, think we're at 300 340,000 right now. Where <laughs> oh, the hell am I? Oh, my goodness. It's, just, it's going really fast. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that is all your hard focus <laughs> that you've accomplished that because I remember when you didn't have that. And, oh, yeah. You know, and you kept at it. And so I would just love... For you to share your story, first of all, how you got into opera singing and how you ended up touring the world and then fast forward to where you are now. And, and you also compose, you're a composer, you're obviously a singer and uh, you also, um, what do you actually not do? You sing for video games a lot. Um, so you, you're always, you know, you, you do a lot of stuff. You, you hire John, you do your original stuff. So yeah, tell us just how you got into the opera singing and how you, ended up uh, touring the world. Okay, well, yeah, uh, opera. It really came from a love of voice and a love of music. And I think that that has just been very consistent through my story the whole way. Uh, this deep, not just love of voice, uh, but also curiosity about it, like different ways that it can be used. And that stems back to an upbringing, right? I, I grew up in a musical family and I studied music, studied piano, thought I was going to be a piano major and go tour the world doing piano at first. But my senior year of high school, I was singing in this competition. It was a big state competition. And there is a moment that I really believe was one of the most impacting moments in my life. And I was singing a song called Nuvoletta by Samuel Barber. And at the end of it, the character in the song jumps off of a balcony and there's this 
moment, this like, uh, it's like a hairpin dynamic where it crescendos and then decrescendos. And it feels like she might've flown away. She might've fallen. You're not really sure, but it's very intense. And while I was singing, I noticed that time, it just started slowing down. I found out later that's you know largely due to adrenaline and the heartbeat and that often creates this sense of time distortion. So you're just experiencing time more. But I specifically felt uh, this intensity in the audience. I was hyper aware in this moment and I saw people lean forward as that, that really cool dynamic moment passed. And I thought, wow, okay, okay. Uh, voice can really impact people. It can move people. And that for me is, it has been a driving factor all along. Music touches emotion. It reaches us in ways that we don't even understand, but we're finding out, you know, music therapy can help bring back speech to a stroke victim. There's so many things that we know instinctively are great about music. And I feel like we're barely scraping the surface on really scientifically all of the really cool things that music and singing can do. So that propelled me into a career in voice, really. At that point, I ended up going to France right after high school. This was because I just wanted to experience another culture. I wanted to experience the world a little bit more. So I went to France and partly because nobody said I, I couldn't do it. I decided once I got there, I was going to audition for the conservatory in the area too. I was in uh, Normandy in a city called Rouen. Mm -hmm. So it's about an hour, hour and a half northwest of Paris on the Seine still. And I was officially in high school with a rotary exchange program, but then I said, hey, I'm gonna do conservatory. So I auditioned and got in. And then I learned a bunch of French arias and sang a lot of French coloratura at that point, oh. which was like, right, you know, there's like the high, high, like I sing a lot about birds. I was like, hey, a bird, it's pretty. <laughs> I'm gonna sing like a bird. Um, <laughs> so that was fun, <laughs> right? There's a lot of really good French coloratura repertoire. So sang that a bunch and came back to the US after a year, went to college at Pacific Lutheran University. But I knew the moment I was there for even a semester, I just barely passed a, essentially a transfer deadline. I had one of the teachers there say, are you, are you really going to do opera? And I knew I wanted to go into a lot with voice. And for me, the epitome of voice at that point was singing opera. I thought this is combining music and dance and acting. It's, it's combining all of the things, opera, right? Opera. Woo. So uh, we talked and I decided uh, after this conversation that we really should uh, go to the East Coast to try and pursue opera a little more seriously. And I wasn't in a place with the, the first school to do that. So uh, in the interim, I decided, hey, I'm going to go to China for a semester and go study some music over there. So kind of while I was waiting. Um, and it was great. I went to Sichuan province. I went to Chengdu. And uh, yeah, studied some Chinese music. I studied German leader also while I was there because there was a good teacher for German leader <laughs> and helped to establish con a connection between my university and the conservatory in Chengdu as well. That was really cool because it exposed me to a lot of just a lot 
a bigger realm of music is very interesting. I think it definitely instilled some appreciation and obviously going to France and then going to China, you know, a year is about a year later after I got back from France that already started building these language blocks, which are really important for opera. So uh, I came back, did my auditions for other schools and ended up transferring to Oberlin Conservatory at that point. I thought Oberlin was a good place, really good undergrad program for opera in particular. Uh, did that, uh, graduated from there and ended up getting into my dream school, Curtis. <laughs> it's kind of funny. A lot of people I think are like, ah, Juilliard, Juilliard's cool. Uh, I did get into both and it was just a no brainer for me. I, when I visited Curtis, I knew the moment I was there that that was where I wanted to be. And I could study with the same teacher at either one. Ah, Curtis was amazing. Amazing. They're so supportive. It's a smaller school. So they're so supportive of each student. Things like um, having a physical, uh, personal physical trainer that I worked with at one point to try and help me. Right? It's so important for any kind of performance oh, art. It's important, yes. Where was that school? What, what, where was that school? Curtis, uh, Curtis Institute is in Philadelphia. Okay. Right. Yeah, it's really cool. So they're very closely related to Opera Philadelphia, and I performed with Opera Philadelphia already while I was at Curtis. Uh, yeah, and honestly, they'll they will send you to whatever teacher you want to go to in the world for lessons. They're so incredibly supportive. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. And uh, let's see, while I was there, they have tons of companies that come through as well. And you start doing auditions. I was singing with the Opera Theater of St. Louis during the summers. I sang at one point with Marilla, so San Francisco Opera during the summer. I was at Chautauqua at one point during a summer. Uh, I ended up going to Italy and doing my first gig in Italy uh, for part of a semester. It was through Opera Philadelphia as well. So it just all just really opened a lot of doors. Wow, I didn't know that. That is amazing. I find it so amazing alone that you know, a lot of Americans have not even stepped outside of America that for you to do that as, at such an early age, I think that would be very expanding for you because culturally, you know, that, that's so important to see other countries learn different languages and that mm -hmm. opens up so much. That's amazing. That's so impressive. Right? Right there. It's, and it's so important for opera too. It, I didn't even know how important that would be later. But when you look at Oberlin and just the groundwork for a really good degree in opera or good preparation to go perform opera, you need your language studies. And that means that you need to know English, French, German, Italian, right? Those are the big four. Yeah. And you also have to do diction in each of them. So I made sure that I had at least a year of study in each. Of course, English was fluent. French was fluent at that point too. Oh, wow. I think I ended up doing... I, and well, I've done a lot of German studies and it's Italian too. So in addition to having about a year of language study, you have a semester of diction and IPA, not the beer, but international phonetic alphabet. <laughs> so learning. And the crazy thing is I took all of that IPA knowledge and I used it so much in opera. It was insane. Like learning how to pronounce words in different languages and be able to also understand the context of what you're singing, understand grammar in general. It's so important to delivering, I think, an emotional and 
uh, performance that connects with people. So the craziest thing is that I ended up taking that IPA knowledge later and using it to teach a computer how to understand people. So an AI <laughs> when they're learning voices. Anyhow, I thought that was such a weird application of offer knowledge. That is amazing. <laughs> that is so amazing. So basically the school got you into getting like traveling the world. Yeah. Curtis really opened right there. doors. Yeah. Yeah. The year after Curtis, I was uh, stationed or I was employed by Dresden Zimpeloper in Germany. And that came directly from an audition at Curtis. Wow. So, yeah, they, it, it really did open doors. It was amazing. They're great. And they also really are supportive of doing competitions. So that's when I was doing a lot of competitions as well. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. Then how did you get from there to going to LA? Because that's where we met, right? Yeah, sort of. So it, it, had, it was a little twisty road. Uh, I went to Germany, sang there for a year. And then I started doing more guest performances after that. So I would hop to, uh, I sang an English national opera at one point, went back to Italy, went to France and sang in Bordeaux again, sang at a bunch of different companies in the US as well. Um, and was doing this guest kind of life. But really one of the big things that happened was in my late, well really mid twenties, my voice started to change. And this is one of the things that's really difficult for a lot of singers. Sometimes you'll have these shifts in your age um, or just how your voice matures. It's in your genetics. It's not something that you have control over. So I was singing things that are really high, but I started to develop way more density in the voice, essentially way more, uh, a lot more drama that was entering a lot of weight, more color in the tone. It started to deepen overall. And so I, I took a step back and I talked to my teacher, uh, Stephen King is his name. He was, uh, he's just such an amazing teacher. He's based in Houston. So he, we talked and decided that I wanted to go somewhere for a little bit to just take some time to like, let the voice do what it was going to do and change and evolve. And some kind of interestingly, uh, parallel to the year, it was really the year after I started in Dresden, uh, when I started guesting. At the same time, I started doing more studies on modern music and production. And I heard the, a video game score that was really similar to something I'd composed. And I thought, wow, I, that would be fun to do on the side. I, you know, you're traveling all the time and and you need to be quiet between performances. <laughs> so I ended up doing classes at, at Berkeley online, Berkeley School of Music Online. And I did some in music production and things like MIDI orchestration. Um, I learned my first DAW during that time, Logic, and I started actually using those skills to help me understand the orchestral bedding underneath a lot of the opera that I was singing. It was really cool and fun. And then did some game audio work too. And I was traveling around and I started doing game jams and composing for video games when I wasn't doing a performance. So a great example is at English National Opera, I was singing Violetta. And then when I wasn't singing Violetta, 
I was working with composers. There were some at King, which is the studio that created Candy Crush. They had this big game jam. And then I started working with some other compo or other developers there to write more music for video games. It was fun. It was fun. And I was based in Silicon Valley at that point. So there were also little tendrils in developing technology. So it was all, all really cool. Um, and then, yeah, to find a place to settle down, basically I talked with the teacher and I said, hey, where, where do you spend the most time? Where do you work with students a lot? And it was really either at Houston Grand Opera or at LA Opera. And I wanted to do the LA program. It looked like it was a little bit more free. Uh, it was more welcoming of a background that I had that was already a professional background, but maybe shifting vocal registers or cox. And uh, so I auditioned for Pasto Domingo at the time and was just, it was like, instant, okay, you're going to come here. <laughs> so it was very quick response, literally after the audition. He's like, okay, when can, when can you be here? I said, well, I have a gig at Seattle Opera first, but I can start in three months. <laughs> so yeah, did that. It was very wow. fast. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. So impressive. That is so impressive. Yeah, I love how you know. It seems to me that first of all, you're a hard worker. You're always like you put your mind to something and you make it happen. You know. Yes. And you 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 just like you're also a great networking person. So you you just know you know, but but not in a pushy way. And I think that really shows that you take advantage of all the opportunities that have been presented to you i think i really love people yeah i know <laughs> like, i so when i get a chance to meet cool people who are doing cool things in the world right. that are just trying to make the world a better place in their own way i'm always really eager to just talk with them it's not to help uh further my career it's more like well let's have an awesome conversation inspire each other which is what we're doing right now exactly you know, I, I always say that. I feel like we all have stories to tell and you you you, you so often write someone off. You don't know the person, mm. you know, but then you have a conversation. You're like, oh my God, because everybody has something to offer. And that doesn't yeah. mean like, you know, something, oh, about like, you know, here's some money or here's a gig, but just like a few words that could really change your life sometimes, you know, like a piece of advice. Yeah that how, much, how many times have you met someone where someone said something you're like, wow, that was your story was mind blowing, it was inspiring, it was so heartfelt, you know, it makes you appreciate life more or whatever. Like it's, it's we really have to learn to just get, come together more and have conversations because it's so beautiful and not the, hey, how are you doing yet? Good, okay, bye. <laughs> but you know, and, and this business is very small, you know, and it's, it's ever growing. How do you feel about the whole AI? Because that is becoming our future, you know? And uh -huh. for us musicians, I personally have no concerns that we're gonna be replaced because as we were talking earlier, right? You were saying the voice is something you could try to replace, but the emotion in a voice, it's, it's really hard to, you know, or like a piece of whatever ge generic music, yes, but something that is really meaningful it's going to be hard to be replaced by someone that yeah. is beneficial you know yeah i i have a lot of opinions about that um so basically right after la opera i had this amazing opportunity to go to a company called speak with me 
and they're creating a vocal AI that's based on my voice and uh, really targeting self-driving cars. So I worked with them for about a year and I was doing teaching and YouTube as well um, right after LA Opera. I did that very deliberately instead of going back out on the road. That was because I wasn't interested in touring as much. I felt like I'd lost contact with a lot of friends. I'd missed too many birthdays. And I wanted to expand my reach. I felt that opera was actually a little limiting for me at that point. I wanted to expand into new technology and media. So um, I went to work with this company. And a few things I, I feel like I really have taken away from it, and I'm still, still technically on their staff too, um, but we're not doing a whole lot of work on it right now. One of the things I think is that we need to embrace AI. It's not, it's not something that you can just turn away from and say, oh, like that's never gonna happen. It's going to happen. It is slowly but surely happening. The thing that we need to do is learn how to use it in a good way. So if you think about, well, is AI going to replace voice? I can tell you definitively that there are some amazing voice AI companies out there. The technology has progressed really quickly in the last five years, especially. And some vocal things are going to be replaced. Things are already being replaced, like um, especially things like on commercials or promos. But there, there is a limit to how human it sounds. And there's a way that you can use AI to take care of and really provide a good service to a lot of companies, like small businesses that are trying to find a VO that's essentially going to help promote their product, but maybe doesn't break their bank. Um, so you can use that in some cases, but then you can have more specialized artists that really get to focus on things like video games or <laughs> animation. These things are not going to be replaced. It's just the main characters there, the ones that people really emotionally are clicking with, I don't think that they're going to be replaced. We'll have, we'll have an Alexa that can help us do grocery shopping. Yeah. But I don't think you're going to have a person that can just connect with you every single moment along the way. AI isn't built to handle that kind of emotional connection, at least not now. Uh, maybe in the future it'll expand more, but it won't. I don't see that happening in 50 years. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I, you know, I also wonder sometimes because a lot of artists, you can hear that there's a lot of auditing going on. There's a lot of, I wonder if that's almost like subliminal conditioning <laughs> the youth to the artificial voice, you know, because it doesn't sound oh. like Halsey to me sounds very artificial. I, I don't know if she really sounds like that. Mm -hmm. right but like it, her voice is just like it has that very auto-tunish sound yeah. and that's, that's her brand um but yeah I was wondering I'm like how yes. do you know <laughs> one of the things that I found fascinating about auto-tune is that it, it became something that was a, like a steeple sound in a lot of R&B especially yeah and now I hear singers that don't have any production but are mimicking the sound of auto-tune, which is just, like, wow, but you know that that's tuned, right? <laughs> but so it's interesting. I think it's become actually a valuable sound in some genres. Yeah. It's, very, it's, it's a definitely an evolutionary. I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, it, 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 adds, it, adds, it adds a flavor to 
to yeah. specific genre. And when you blend that, it sounds, I think it sounds super cool, you know, mm -hmm. hip hop and rap. Um, it's, it's an interesting field we're in. And I think what you mentioned, you know, you, you working with a company. So I think if we embrace it and if we are really taking advantage of it and are not scared of it, there's a lot of opportunity for people like us, for yeah. singers, for musicians to actually be involved with it more yeah you know and use it as a tool versus like treat it like an enemy or competition because yeah they're totally. really you know ultimately ai isn't meant to take over like the super high level creative jobs out there which tend to be jobs that people really want to do or really enjoy it's meant to take over jobs that a lot of people don't want to spend their time doing so let it go do the stuff that you don't care about as much and then go do what you love the most Absolutely. Absolutely. So I love how you transition from being the artist and, and, and doing, I mean, and I totally understand where you were saying, you know, you did your thing, you were touring, but then you missed like a lot of birthdays and spending time with yeah. friends and, you know, because that that's all touring is very hard, you know, because you, you just it always, tough. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It is there's it there's no stability in it there's nothing so it's really hard to lay down roots or uh, expand in other ways while you're touring mm -hmm. well i'm sure it, it's a great experience that i would never like trade but no yeah, <laughs> yeah you know but it was trying to right. trying to change and now i love how you know besides doing all your video video game work and and all the other stuff you're doing but then you started focusing more on teaching because you're also a vocal coach and um, you started your YouTube channel, which in I've, I've seen you and it's so amazing. I've seen you grow from pretty much zero to bam, you just blew up. And it's not like you just blew up. You put a lot of hard work into this. So tell us oh, a, little, yeah. a little bit about that, you know, for people that are interested in getting into YouTube and that, that are, you know, just starting out or they're struggling what has worked for you because you are on fire girl <laughs> thanks uh yeah it, it's really it's been enormous growth in the last year especially basically going from growing by about three hundred thousand subscribers in a year uh, that's that is insane uh, we've only seen it continue to go up so who knows where we're going to be this time next year hopefully still doing well <laughs> one million oh. beast <laughs> Right. Uh, so there it's interesting. A lot of people didn't know about the YouTube channel, even though I'd really given a ton of time to it for two years prior and that I was doing a lot of videos on vocal education, things like your voice type, your vocal fock, essentially, or talking about the physical effects of water in your body and your voice and how long does it take water to get into your vocal cords and what's happening with that, things like this. I really love the science behind voice. Uh, and of course, you know, vocal voice teaching is just something I really enjoy as well. And piano, I, I like teaching piano too, but I don't have as much time to teach piano these days anymore. But um, essentially, uh, the big shift happened. There were two big moments. One was at a game sound convention because I was still doing lots of game audio, right? I met Sean Daniel, who is another YouTuber, a guitar YouTuber. And he was there just 
you know, at this LA game, game sound audio convention, it was funny. We were introduced to each other by Marty O'Donnell, who is the composer for Halo. If you know that the monk theme, he's yeah. so cool. Oh my <laughs> God. So cool. That's amazing. Right. So, oh, a little takeaway there, uh, networking. Don't be scared of going up to anybody. Don't, don't be scared of that. There's, been only a couple moments in my life where I was really scared of it. Of course, my heart is pumped faster, but they're, they're just people. They're people. They sweat too. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> fine. Uh, so uh, I met Marty through that game audio convention and he introduced me a couple years later at the same convention to Sean. And Marty had been watching me do YouTube all along and knew that I wanted to expand it, but didn't really know how or what to do. And Sean met me and overnight took a look at my stuff and he came back to me the next day and he said, okay, you've got great content. It's really good, but you really need to up your thumbnail game. It's <laughs> like, what? Okay. Tell me more. And I think we went and had coffee, buy people coffee, buy people beer or whatever drink they want. Just another tip for networking. So you can have a good conversation. If they're going to take time, get them a drink. <laughs> so uh, got Sean, it was a soy chai latte, I believe, <laughs> at Starbucks. And we talked for a couple hours and he gave me just tons of advice on how to make my channel better. Uh, I started to see a little increase then, a little more subscribers. Thumbnails are really important. Click through rate, so making your thumbnail appeal to people so that when they see it, they want to click on it. Uh, I'm not the hugest fan of um, making it total clickbait. Um, but that's partly because that's my brand. I don't, I don't try to be necessarily super trendy, but instead I want to be professional yet modern and elegant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and very approachable at the same time. So yeah. there's a few things going into the brand there, but, uh, clickbait isn't something that we really go for. Um, but we do want to, we do watch our click through rates. So he explained to me some good strategies for that. Things like, uh, we know now that smiling and a little bit of an open mouth can be really good. Uh, obviously good facial expressions or moments that you think look hideous, just get over yourself. Other people find that entertaining. Right. <laughs> be willing. Like, uh, <laughs> right. I had this hilarious expression when I was talking about I think uh, like canine, like talking about <laughs> resonance here. And I was doing this and have this crazy eyebrow thing going on. And my husband ended up picking that thumbnail and uh, and using it for the Pavarotti video. It looks ridiculous, <laughs> but it's totally on point. I'm like talking about a vocal thing and it just looks really funny. So uh, Sean helped me uh, understand a little bit more about thumbnails. You know, how do you make that quality much better? And we talked about quality of videos and what I could do. The simple thing for me was taking and using the, the back of my phone. So using this camera instead of this camera to film on. Oh, that was really important. I didn't know that. That, well, especially on that phone, that camera that's on the back is much better. And I was just using my phone at that point. I know, <laughs> right? Um, that was really important. And then Sean actually shouted out to me in a video that he was doing and I got like a huge boost in subscribers that day. And we're talking a huge boost as in, I think I went from uh, 800 to maybe 1300. 
in a couple days. That's a really big That's deal good. for a YouTube channel. Yeah. Getting over the first, the first thousand is by far the hardest. And then uh, I'd had people suggest reactions to me, but I wasn't really sure what to do. I thought the reactions were just oohs and ahs. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. That's, you know, I feel like I'm stealing somebody else's material. That just, ooh, it's not for me. And I felt like it was cheapening it somehow. And so it wasn't until I was at NAM, which you know as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, love, yeah. love NAM. I know. And right, this was the NAM right before COVID. <laughs> so NAM in 2020. And uh, at NAM, I had this, I was with Sean hanging out and he invited me to come join a big YouTuber party. And we talked and some people said, yeah, reactions, but make it your own, you know, twist it a little bit. And we started talking about the fifth element. And I said, oh yeah, I could talk about the fifth element and talk about, do a comparison of different singers and explain what was difficult in that, how they were using their voice, essentially making it educational in nature. I could do that. So I, I did do that. And that was my first video that really started to gain some momentum. And it's still doing very well today. That's awesome. Yeah. And that was filmed on the back of my phone. So what's, 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 the, what's to... the name of the video so we can we can check it out? It's If you go to the Charismatic Voice and you put in Fifth Element, it'll Fifth come element. up. It's called Fifth it's Element. like a comparison of the diva yeah. dance, essentially, yeah. from it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I... I was really lucky because I had been using editing software and figuring things out for two years. I wasn't great at it by any means, but at least I had some basis in it. Uh, and so when the first reaction video came out, I feel like it had better production quality overall. And also because I'm very familiar with audio and was able to do a lot more audio editing to try and clean that up too. It wasn't perfect, right. but it, it wasn't bad. So a lot of people, I think on their first videos, they have to really go through a huge technical hurdle, which I did on videos that didn't have as much traction yet. So I got lucky, I think, in that way. Yeah. And and then it catapulted from there. Dimash videos, Dimash Kudai Bergen was a singer I got really into at first, got into Nightwish. I think a Nightwish video was one of my first videos that got over 25,000 views in one day. And that was huge really huge i think we have a few like staples one of the big staples was i'm going to show you uh over here getting there's a map up there <laughs> if you guys can see it yeah yeah cool map yeah so that's um i wanted something in the background that was going to help the audio better that's actually acoustic paneling from oralex acoustic and yeah and they have this like painting on top of it uh, I've gotten, uh, I know it's so cool. It's so cool. I love it. That's boring. Always, you know, that is great. Right. And I'd had these sound reflections coming from that wall and there was a cool piece of art on it, but the reflections were terrible and they were making it sound super, um, just, uh, reverby. Yeah. And, uh, in this map now there's push pins in it of where people subscribers are from in the world. And I love that because it's like every single video I get to feature the subscribers too. That is so <laughs> great. That is awesome. Yeah. I really yeah. love how you made it your own because, you know, there's a lot of reaction videos and I've tried a few, like I've done a few where I'm like, oh my God, like, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
I think that, don't you think it's so important that, you know, of course you want to work on growing your audience and all that kind of stuff and doing something that really works, but you found your niche. You found that, Mm -hmm. you know, what makes you, you and makes you different. And that's, I think what also added to your success probably, you know, totally. And you inviting your audience. Yeah, please. And you, and and I feel you're really engaging your audience. You're always asking what they would like to hear more. And I love that you first, I think you started up more just with opera stuff, but then you really expanded. Like you had Pantera. And I'm like, <laughs> That's one of my favorite bands. I'm like, I love that. She, I'm like, she's doing it. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. If, if you love people and you ask what you can do for people, that's gonna, that just changes your life and your trajectory. Uh, people understand that they feel it. So one of the, I think one of the big indications that the channel was going to be big and I didn't know it at the time, but I told the channel that I was tracking their requests and I actually pulled up in a video, like these are the requests. This is how many times you voted for this video. These are your top 10 Dimash songs. At one point we were going to do each and every one of them. And nobody had ever seen a reactor who listened to their audience and asked what they want. And I think this switch up of saying, not what can you do for me, but what can I do for you? has been one of the biggest, uh, (laughs) biggest reasons for success on the channel. (laughs) Strange, right? Don't, don't be selfish. Yeah. (laughs) I think it makes sense because if people come to watch your channel, and and they love what you do they want to they want to see you know if i love what you do i'm like hey i would love to see her react to my favorite artist you know (laughs) and i think that's cool that you're that open to that you know that is totally yeah yeah still every every week oh my gosh i well the business is really expanded because when you go three hundred thousand followers in a year you just can't handle it all and we expanded to be on patreon i have online courses at this point um, I still am doing teaching as well. I, I just couldn't keep up with it. So I got really, really lucky and was connected to um, Outsource Doers, Doers Way. Uh, they're based in Australia, essentially. And they helped me hire an assistant for the first time. Paolo is his name. He's in the Philippines. And he helps me do things like track. Actually, like that was one of his first things for me was go can you please help me track all of these requests? It's that important to me. I want to hire somebody else to do it. I'm not going to give it up, but I just, I can't keep tracking all of these on my own and still do things. So he, uh, he tracks every single video. He takes, uh, he takes, uh, there's like, he keeps a very long list of all of the things and he gives me back the top four requested songs on that video. And then I go and I, I check out and I'm like, okay, is this video got good quality? I don't want to, my reactions really are first-time reactions. I don't want to ruin the first-timeness of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like that, I think that's indicative of how much we care to listen to what people are saying. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That is mind-blowing. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> Your online courses, uh, how is that working for you? And how how has it been through this whole time? I'm sure it is it's gotten better, right? Because people are more online now. So people want to learn. Well, I I kind of, I lucked out in 
and timing for things because we started, you know, the first reaction video really hit before lockdown in the US. And I was already working on my first course in January and I released it, I believe at the end of March or April mm. and the first iteration of it. And then basically did a reiteration and started running it, demystifying, seeing it's a, an online intensive essentially for seven weeks. It is very intense. And that's, uh, that course has gone really well. I've, I feel like it gives people skills to be able to continue working on their voice gives it just a really firm vocal foundation regardless of the genre and uh, so much to the point where we have a, a waiting list now because I just can't handle that many students at a time and each of the students that is in that course is gets a lot of personal attention with me so I have to have to be careful about not letting too many people in oh wow <laughs> so the course is the course is basically it starts at a certain time it's not something you can just do on your own it starts at yeah. a certain time ends at a, then seven weeks later and you are there throughout the yeah oh wow exactly i see them uh i see all of my students in the course they are broken into small groups i see them every single week in their small groups and i see them for private lessons at the beginning and the end. And then I do private feedback on recordings in the middle as well. It's just really personalized. It's like, here's a jump start in singing. Or uh, I have a lot of professional singers that'll come to me and say, hey, something's not working out so well. Or maybe somebody's had a car accident and uh, things have shifted. How do I go back to some vocal foundations just to, you know, make it all shiny again? Mm -hmm. And that has been really successful both both kinds of students so it's it's a ton of time from me but the wow. it's just really rewarding i love working with people in this format the other course that we have going right now is a music appreciation course and that was sort of out of the blue i didn't think about it until a bunch of patrons were saying hey you should do this i was like oh i guess i should i really i know a lot about music and I, you know, I've studied it my whole life, not just voice, but piano, composition, video game, audio, all the good stuff. And that one is totally automated, which is kind of awesome. You get to just be like, here, go, go try it out. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome to be able to give that knowledge. And then so many people have access to it now. I, I love it. Absolutely. All these courses are directly from your personal site or are they going through like a teachable or? From my own site, from charismaticvoice.com. Okay. Uh, yeah, I had to learn how to do that too. So That's what I'm saying. <laughs> what you're doing. So, I mean, I remember you saying that, that you wanted to build something on your own platform so that you don't have to rely on others and share your mm -hmm. you know, revenue and stuff like that. It's impressive. Yeah. You know? Thing. you're studying all the time you're a sponge i love it yeah oh you have to be a sponge i mean things like you have to learn new software to edit videos on at some point right yeah, yeah. going from iMovie to final cut was a really big deal and very steep learning curve yeah but yeah you do the same thing though i know you you are constantly absorbing new information i try to you know i think it's like I'm studying a lot of crypto right now. <laughs> 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 um, 
but I agree with you. Like, I'm always like, I still want to put my new vocal course on. I just haven't quite figured out what exactly mm. I want to do because I wanted to focus more on people that are not really professional singers. I think mm -hmm. there's not many courses for them that are more on a, you know, beginner's level, more for fun and therapy purpose kind oh, of. Oh, yeah. You That's know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it should be interactive too because I think they should be monitored so that to see like they have the support. Um, but honestly, I haven't spent the time. I need to really spend some time. I probably have to consult you <laughs> and get some advice from someone yeah. professional like you. But in our field, we have to study all the time because you're right. We, you know, we have, there's always something new coming out. And it's, yeah. I, so re I, I remember like years ago, I, I rejected it, my my then partner would always get upgrade everything. I'm like, stop upgrading. You know, we don't need this. We don't need that. And and I told him, I said, now I understand because now that, <laughs> yeah, you have to get with it, you know, because yeah. sound quality has changed. So it's, it's really important. Um, you are so inspiring. I just love what you're doing. And it, it and you prove that, you know, you can do it if you really want to do something. You just have to put in the work. There's no way around that. Yeah, there's no way around putting in the work. There really isn't. Yeah. And now I want to know about your Christmas tree because my Christmas lights on your Christmas tree. They're like they're like hugging. Look like this. <laughs> right? They should be together. Right. Um, okay, well, this is my annual tree. Uh I, I call it my annual tree. So I started this in LA actually, where I just felt like I couldn't take my Christmas tree down because I was so happy. Right? <laughs> so happy. And I like Christmas lights. And so why would I take it down? I don't understand. This doesn't make sense. But the the ornaments do feel very much Santa Claus. Okay, maybe I should take different ornaments and put them on there. Christmas lights are Christmas lights, though. You know, they're they're just pretty lights. Yeah. So I uh, left the lights on and redecorated it for different seasons. I was starting back then. Right now, <laughs> I love the current tree, tree ornaments. It is a tea and books tree because these are two of my favorite things <laughs> so there's like fairly little tiny teacups on there oh and i found <laughs> i know there's even a little alice uh and because i alice in wonderland seemed to have tea and tree e, yes 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 right so I but, tea right here <laughs> yeah, right oh i love tea oh, i should have made some tea for this I should have. I just have water right now. But you're yeah, actually drinking the throat coat tea. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh man, tea's good. Mm. And <laughs> there are these little clear ornaments as well on it that have. I found this woman on Etsy that takes uh, books that would be thrown away essentially, and uh, she takes and like strips the pages and does like little curly things with the pages and then puts a page of your favorite book essentially inside a clear ornament on a tree. So I have uh, things like the Count of Monte Cristo is on there. Uh, obviously, I uh, have some Lord of the Rings on the tree, Dune. Um, <laughs> we have, let's see, I have the Wizard of Oz on there as well because I played Glinda the Good Witch when I was younger and I that was like very special. I have the Way of Kings which is my favorite series, my favorite fantasy series by Brandon Sanderson. It's the first book in that. So anyhow, there's a bunch of my favorite books on the tree. <laughs> I love it. That always reminds me. So last year I was in, in Michigan and in Michigan, they do Christmas in July, I guess. And because it's yeah. cold. And that's great. Yeah. And there's <laughs> several places where there's always a Christmas tree. It's just like, and I was, 
I was there like in August and I'm like, why is that Christmas trees everywhere? <laughs> you know? it's, it's something cozy about it. Definitely. I love it. Absolutely. That's awesome. You know, another, and, and it's funny because um, I spoke to some other guests about this and another fascinating story of yours is that you are now in Arizona. Oh yeah. And you are married. Oh yeah. And tell us <laughs> where you met your husband. Oh, I met my husband online. And right, I, I think that is shocking to a lot of people, but I, I it. it was about the same time that I was uh, was leaving LA Opera. I knew that I wanted to settle down. I wanted to put roots down. I wanted something more serious. And so this is so funny. I'd been on things like, like Tinder or like dating apps in LA. And that can be fun, but I don't feel like people are always on the same wavelength of like, yeah, I'm looking for something that's long-term here. So I got on one of these apps where you pay for it. Cause I was like, if they're paying, they're kind of, they're looking for something more. Uh, it's called inner circle. And a few days later, Kirk, my now husband messaged me and he had perfect grammar. Okay. <laughs> perfect grammar. <laughs> that's really exciting. Uh, especially when one of the most common things you get on dating apps is, you want tacos? No, <laughs> no, that's not, mm -mm. sorry guys, that's not doing it for me. Uh, but he messaged me and said, hey, uh, I love this. Uh, I was I had a cosplay that was on my dating app and he talked about that and he said, oh, I love that you play video games as well. So cool, you've done opera. And he said, I have written a fantasy novel. I'm a published author. Uh, I'm currently working on producing a video game. Oh, and I literally build rockets at SpaceX. <laughs> I was like, oh. Uh, and so when I messaged him back, I didn't ask if he wanted to meet. I asked him when he wanted to <laughs> meet. <him>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it was the next day. We hit it off right away. It was... That is um, cool. Yeah. And it wasn't like like easy, easy sailing. We both uh, had been married before, uh, both divorced, and we understood that communication is extremely important. We really developed ways to work through our problems and our differences. We talk about everything. We have total transparency, uh, I think to the point that would make a lot of people uncomfortable, really uncomfortable, but for us, it is just crucial. And I trust him completely. So he was offered a job out here in Arizona for an aerospace startup. Now, almost two years ago now. Oh yeah, I yeah. Up on that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to leave LA, but the job was really awesome. So we decided to give it a try. And I was going back and forth to LA every two weeks. <laughs> it was a lot. I was in LA so much at that point. The only thing that stopped that was COVID. And, uh, but that is, that's why we moved out here. And during COVID, they basically had to reduce the entire company to just a couple of people, you know, from like 130 to like five or 10. And at that point, the channel had grown so big, I needed more help. So now he's the COO of the charismatic voice. That's amazing. That is so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And we work great together. Everyone was super concerned. And I was concerned too. Like, is this going to destroy our marriage if we work together? No, it absolutely doesn't. If you have great communication. 
You know, I'm so glad to say that. By the way, hold on one second. I'm gonna plug my uh, computer in because I'm almost out of <laughs> battery. Oh my God. Story of our lives. Mm -hmm. Because then I can edit it as you know. <laughs> yep. But yeah. I, kept I kept looking at that. I'm like, oh, please don't. <laughs> don't die on me. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. You know, I didn't know you were married before. Oh yeah. I got married really young, uh, really young and divorced pretty quickly afterwards. Um, but you know, he wasn't a bad person. It just didn't work out. It does. Uh, I was too young and not, we didn't communicate. We didn't, you know, we needed to develop some more relationship skills to have a successful one. Sometimes things just don't work out, you know? Yeah. 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 So, so we're going to be back. We're back. Yeah, so I'm so glad you said that because communication is everything. And I feel half of the popularity, if not more than half of the popularity, suck at it. And it people <laughs> complicate things when it could be just so easy. It's so easy to just speak your mind, be honest and be kind and be tolerant. Mm -hmm. And then everything can work out in a relationship. And that's why most relationships, I think, not last because people, you know, they... they, they they don't trust each other and they don't talk about things. And then yeah, they, they slowly live apart, you know, like they drift apart. Yeah. And I, Kirk and I both had experienced situations where things weren't talked about. And as a result, we both went into huge modes of depression, you know, for years and, uh, and some super dark times in there. So I think we really related and understanding how bad that can be for a person and said, this is just, we're never doing that again. Yeah. So even if it's incredibly uncomfortable, if you don't want to talk about it, like right then, or we have rules, we've actually got like a little pink book of rules Love um, it. that essentially uh, give us guidelines for how to interact when we're particularly angry or sensitive. One of the big ones is, uh, we don't sleep apart. That is super important to both of us. Um, so if you're really angry, couch sleeping is not an option. Um, I think that's important because I love we it. both needed that security and that person will still be there. Even if we're angry, we're still gonna be there. We're still gonna work through it. Um, we know how to take breaths and moments and be able to say, hey, I need a moment to take a walk and cool down. And that's totally acceptable. Just walking out of the room and not saying a thing is not acceptable. Uh, and uh, not going to bed angry, talking about it. Okay, maybe you'll have a little residual anger, but you need to talk about it before you go to sleep. Yes. Talk about it, work it out. We don't, we don't let things build up. It just yeah. is not, it's not in our, uh, it's not in our relationship. It, I don't think we'll ever be a part of our relationship. Oh my God. I love that so much. This is so, and you know, in a way, I think COVID is like really has been like the test to, to many people. You, either you're going to grow together stronger or you're just going to be like, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> well, we had death by fire because we got married February 29th of 2020. We did this like, we knew we were going to get married, but we hadn't set a date. And then we were in January and we realized it was leap year. We're like, Let's just get married on leap year. That would be fun. Wouldn't that be fun? Let's take yeah. a week to get married on leap year. 
And it turns out uh, the country started shutting down like the first week of March. <laughs> so my family got home and my sister was told she could no longer travel the Monday after our wedding. Timing. So, yeah. We still haven't had our honeymoon though. So, but we got married. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It will happen eventually. Well, you know what? Thank you so much for, for sharing the story because I know there's probably so much more in detail to talk about, you know, but it's just so impressive what you've done and what you are doing. Tell us Thank where you. people can find you. Oh, well, YouTube channel is the charismatic voice. Uh, that's where you can find most things about me. You can find me on Instagram too. I'm there, Charismatic Voice as well. Uh, thecharismaticvoice.com is where you can find all the stuff about courses. We have a really awesome and active Patreon where we are uh, having live chats with our patrons twice a week. We play video games, we play Among Us, we kill our patrons in a very friendly way. <laughs> we find, and the patrons kill me and they feel nervous the first time they do it too. It's <laughs> Um, so, uh, we, anyhow, the Patreon is really fun. So if you're, if you're into that, uh, you can find us there. Uh, I'm trying to think I'm also, of course, there's some things on other social media like Facebook, Twitter, but that's a lot quieter in general. The main ones that we're focused on is YouTube website, Instagram, Patreon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And then any last words of advice for anyone out there in general? Oh, I think, I, I think that I'll just go back to one of them and it's don't, don't ask what people can do for you. Ask what you can do for them. And I know that that sounds like Jerry Maguire, but it's true. It's very true. I love that. I love that. That, that should be a great tattoo actually. Yeah. <laughs> a great reminder, yeah. you know, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And I look forward to watching your videos and I may have to take your course, you know, I mean, oh, why not, you know, that'd be fun. because that'd be even fun. though when you are a coach or a teacher, the learning never stops. I still do voice lessons. I'm taking voice lessons with a speech pathologist on mm -hmm. a specific subject right now. And I'm doing beatboxing lessons. So it never stops. You just keep going. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> keep growing. Gotta keep growing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you. Thank you so much. I'll have the link below in the description so people can find you and can hit you up. And you have an amazing, fantastic rest of the week. Thank you. You too. Bye. 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 As always, thank you so much for your time. I know your time is valuable and there's so many other things you could be watching or listening to right this moment, but you've chosen to be here with us. Um, as always, you can connect with my guests in the description below. All the information is there for you to have and to go and make new friends and connect. Um, and as always, if you are interested in my apocalyptic shawl from Jacques Van B, my sun protective shawl, my fashion accessory that is really fun and cool and looks cool and it's functional. You can find it at jacklonb.com. And as always, have an amazing rest of the weekend. And we'll see you again next Friday. Take care. Lightning strikes. The forest burns. Fires rolling over me.
Oh.